0: Song 3, the fifth book of the Psalms, Psalm 147, verses 117 c This is a praise for God's gracious care. to come, let us adore him. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for he is gracious song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their name great is our Lord and abundant in power his understanding is beyond measure the Lord lifts up the downtrodden he casts the wicked to the ground sing to the Lord with thanksgiving make melody to our God on the lyre he covers the heavens with clouds prepares rain for the earth makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the animals their food, and to the young ravens when they cry. His delight is not in the strength of a horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of the runner. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope, in his steadfast love Praise the Lord, the Word of God for the world.
1: your wondrous ways, your nearness to us in song, stimulating our thoughts and activating our bodies even this morning. May our soul be attentive to you even in these moments we pray. is that a comment on your stature? <laughs> but yes, so the shallow end of the pool was always despised in my mind. And I sort of longed for the day that I moved up in the world and got to live in the a big when. And as I thought about this passage and about worship, I couldn't help but think that really worship and what it's purpose is ultimately to get us to the place that we live life in the deep end the purpose of life or as indeed the Westminster or Pattinson says the chief end of man is to glorify God but so many times, as you know, we this very week we lived in the shallow end. We live at the surface. We do what we gotta do, we say what we gotta say. And when we go to bed at night, there's a part of us, if we're attentive, that knows when we've lived in the shallow end and when we have truly swamped in the deep end title of this sermon, as I constructed it, is Living in the Deep End. And really, the thesis goes this way, that the awareness of God's presence, as seen even in the psalmist's life, results in a life of praise. The last five psalms are all songs of praise. There's 150 of them. And we're in the second of five, glorifying God and singing praise. And for those of you who may be new, this is an opportunity of, of sermonizing that involves you to participate. And so I want to ask a question as we think about what it means to praise God and living in the deep end. I want us, again, to sort of reflect back on our week, on our life, and think, how often do we just delight in God? I love that word delight, which is found here in this song. How often do we sit back and just delight in God? Now, I'm afraid the answer is not often enough. And if indeed our very purpose is to glorify God in worship, no wonder so many days feel disorienting and lost. And so I want to ask for you to give some feedback. And and tell me, what do you think it means to praise God? What does that look like? What does it mean to praise God, and what does that look like? So we're going to start there, and then we'll get into the text. Well, I'll start with an obvious, the simplest of all. Okay, and if, if you'll bring a, so we can all hear here.
0: the simplest of all just being aware of life you know we live in a tree house and in the spring, summer and fall it's all leaves and in the winter it's, it's you see the bare bones but you see the animal life running up and down and you're aware of all of this incredible life going after the food on our feeders and the, the life of living just being here alive and
2: that's, I guess, being the start. For me, it is appreciating. For me, it is appreciating a person who is using all of their gifts uh, to to share. Uh, reminded of the musicians who are talented. When I hear a, a wonderful piece of music, whether it's religious or not, that's great, because you're using the gifts that God has given to you.
1: Get into it a little bit. The wheels turn in. Let's look at this song. Why are they singing praise? Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for He is gracious, and a song. picture, the very creator of heaven and earth he the stars and gave each one of them a name. and then a little bit lower you see in verse 8 he covers the heavens with clouds prepares rain for the earth and makes grass grow on the hills he gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry again a word about God as creator, the God who created clouds and rain and provides for the young ravens when they cry, which I don't know about you, but I think we fit into the young raven category.
2: <laughs>
1: and so I want you to think of yourself today, maybe even as I preach, as we worship, as we worship together, and all that we're doing and thinking and feeling right now. And we young ravens are crying out. And we're crying out first, as Elizabeth said, because God is creator. That's really clear in this song. But notice that this God who creates cloud coverage and rain, and later he says snow, which was quite rare in this region. This God, this creator, not only feeds the young ravens when they cry. But this God particularly is a God of healing and wholeness. Notice what he says in verse 2. This God of cloud coverage and rain provider and grass grower is also the God that builds up Jerusalem and gathers the scattered and outcasts of Israel. This is why they sing praise, because this is a God who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This great creator of some imminence, some otherness, comes near and provides salvation and restoration. So, this God that is worthy of praise is worthy because God is creator and also because God is is savior and healer. And so they sing praise. So I'm, I'm hoping your wheels are turning and thinking of ways that God has come into your story and been restorer, healer, sustainer, comforter. A lot of us have those examples of creation that that get us to that liminal space. Glenda said, "At free for all, you stand on a mountain and you see that you're just a piece of the whole, and there's this great recognition of God's holiness and otherness, and a sense of praise comes over." Our souls, and you've heard me say this multiple times, are created to worship. We, I think it's fascinating, our very code in the human condition is to worship. We will worship something. We will worship something. Maybe it is the Patriots or the Seahawks, but we will worship something. And we will give our time and attention and money to something. And the truth is very heart of a service like today is when we we get still long enough and typically when we do we recognize what our soul is really worshiping where does your soul go when it's idle, when it's still Michael recently told me this quote and I want to see if you agree or disagree We don't go to church to worship. We go to church already worshiping. What do
0: you think? I think he said wrong in a heretic. It depends on the week. <laughs> I
1: think
2: it's the way that we should be. We should be going to church.
0: That's what draws us. We are already
1: worshiping. We We need to be fed. Elizabeth said, We're already worshiping and we're drawn to worship corporately because we're already worshiping and we draw to be fed. know that th- I think, I don't know, maybe she does know this that it is a Christian song about praise okay, so I'm going to give you a little something, something It is not going to be I'm not going to do it justice, but if you know, anybody, any Mary Mary fans out there? <laughs> okay so we were doing Zumba and, and he goes, Dick the shackles off my feet so I can dance, I just want to praise you I just want to praise you, so we're doing this. And I'm like, well, who do you think we're praising? You know, this is a secular Zumba. Okay. All of a sudden, in the act of exercise, I found myself worshiping in such a powerful way because it was a gathered body of people that were all like, I'm just going to praise you. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. And we were just worshiping, and nobody knew exactly what we were worshiping. <laughs> and I, I was just struck because we think that we have to be in a church building to worship. Uh, yeah. Powerful. And that is how God ushers us in. So let's let's just talk about where you are finding God. Can God be Herb said at free for all? God can be found and is found everywhere. And the psalmist sees this, which is why he's talking about ravens and <coughs> snow and ice crystals. But we separate God into these different categories. We talked a little bit about this at free for all about secular and sacred. and I want you to add to it, okay? Can God be found in potty training? Amen. Yes, words. Can God be found in dying well? Can God be found in a great love song? Can God be found in sweeping floors and driving kids to school and making pancakes on Saturday morning? Can God be found in the smoldering ruin of our heart and mess of our lives? Can God be found in trying something new? And making a new friend. And giving up something new. I want you to add to this litany. Where is God found for you? Where do you worship? Where's your sanctuary?
0: In the woods by the stream
1: in the woods by the stream, Philip's going to come down and feel free to share.
0: It just struck me, Julie, that there's no wonder um, why when we're at the beach we hurry down for sunset. And um, perhaps that's the reason that our Bible reads that a day is from sunset and that that's where we can feel it stops us Um, someone said in our um, get real service that that's joy when something stops us and we recognize that the mindfulness of it well I've had an awful week it was one of those weeks when I couldn't do anything right And everything around me was falling apart. And I was sitting in my lounge chair with two dogs on my lap yesterday. And God reminded me that my life was so blessed. And that I have so much to be thankful for. I had the most unbelievable worship experience.
1: Being
2: taught a lesson that I should have learned long ago. <laughs> Any other? And I see God right now in that vulnerability of sharing
0: that connects all of us. Amen. So, my epiphany from our Tuesday conversation was that. Sunday praise. It's whatever you do, whether it's pleasing to God or not. And so, I've been thinking over the past week, just about anything I'm doing, is this pleasing to God or not? I guess that's what I'm old. I read a call old, I, don't know, in my, I got of any of system. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I read an old quote this last week from M. Scott Peck that He's talking specifically about marriage relationships, but I believe it's applicable to any relationship, including my relationship with God. And he said one of the big purposes of a relationship is to chip away at our narcissism. Yeah. And I think worship are those moments when either circumstances of life or God directly chips away at the narcissism And I can feel from the deepest part of who I am that there is one God and I ain't
1: him. Yeah, I want to let me say something to that about uh, that worship happens when we're submitted, when we're surrendered. And that word came up around the table. You can't worship without being surrendered and submitted. And I think that's exactly what the narcissism keeps us in the shallow end. To go back to that analogy. The narcissism keeps us in the shallow places because it becomes ego absorption. And it's only in surrender and submission able to worship, which I think is a great way in connection with the marriage relationship that we're submitted one to another in this covenant that that's the call. Michael has, we were talking about this last night, that yes, we are adopted as children of God just for who we are. And God loves us. But we are also, in a sense, married in the sense of being under submission. That is what draws us to worship, both the adoption and the marriage. Connected. Submitted. And a lot of times, I think that is exactly what keeps us from moving from that shallow end to the deep end. Is our own narcissism, our own inability to submit to God. God.
0: But there are experiences and this has been Well oh, so just a
1: second, Joyce, I, I want everybody to hear you.
0: Sorry. sorry. I think there are experiences which and this has been so true for me, is that those experiences and those activities in which I participated very narcissistically there is such a word that really I thought I was doing very well. And it's all over. And God used it anyway. And it's all over. And you realize then what a glorious thing that was that in spite of your own ego, God took that experience and used it for his glory. See,
1: now you're talking without questions. Good.
2: <laughs> Julie, when you... um. Not that? <laughs> he knows better. <laughs> really quick. When you said where where is church for you? Um, many 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 years ago, more than I care to admit, when I applied one summer for summer youth ministry, um, I really wanted to be on the Adopt Team. They were a team of four who were musical and they they traveled all summer and they did their their music and um, whatever. Well, I wasn't chosen for that team. Um, And I I was a little brokenhearted. But but I was chosen to help in a ministry, crazy as it sounds, about 25 minutes from my house. Um, And it was a ministry to lower-income children who typically were families of military personnel um, in Fayetteville, North Carolina and that summer my dad asked me he was actually my supervisor Um, Lord help me (laughs) but he was so far I think far thinking in where do we worship and where is church because he asked that same question that summer where is church for you I didn't have a clue what he meant. You know, I'm thinking, well, it's at Lake Glen, where I grew up. It's at Second Baptist Church, where I went later. And it wasn't until about halfway through the summer, when this other girl and I are sitting out in the blazing, hot, vehicle heat, with these children, and we're all swaying and getting a salty sweat in our eyes, and just miserable, that I saw some kids learn music that they had never heard before and had the best time running and playing with these big red cheeks. They didn't know it was hot. And I realized, this is where church is for me. Oh. In the presence of these children. Mm-hmm. And now, that it's been 30 some years mm-hmm. later, that's still where worship and God is for me. Mm-hmm. is in the presence of children. Amen. As I was doing the next one,
1: I think um, Nita said it well at Free For All. She was speaking about a paraplegic man in front who said I cannot step or swallow without God. And then somebody else at the table said, are we not like that? Do we not recognize that our very steps and swallowing are part of recognition that God has enabled that in fact the psalmist what really I think the the crux of this passage we find out what really as Dave was saying what God delights in God's delight is not in the strength of the horse nor is God's pleasure in the speed of a runner But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Who hold awe in God's presence. I love that. God's delight is not in the strength of the horse, but in the horse, the creature. God's delight is not in the speed of the runner, but the runner. In other words, chipping away narcissism what we can hold it on and say well look how fast I am or the powers that we cling to God says I'm not impressed with those powers but what I take delight in is when you take delight in me and that gives God pleasure and that is our call of existence to live in the deep end to not go through each day just living in the surface, going like through
2: dimensions. Um, going back to the first question,
1: um, the verse in the Bible that haunts me probably more than it challenges me um, in Job. Although he slay me, I will still praise him
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, a lot of the praise you can do in.
0: God's awesomeness or thanks or beauty
1: but whether it is although he slay me or although life may slay me yet I will still praise him Um, that is a haunting scripture did y'all hear that in the back? Um, thank you that's a great that's a great segue to conclusion which is if you didn't, he said a, a quote from Job though he may slay me I will still praise him and I think you see that even in this song too, this connection because these people were, were exiled people it wasn't all fun and games and this was a happy happy joy joy song This living in the deep, rough edges of life and still finding a place for praise. Because let's let's be honest, it's easy to give God praise when we see the white squirrel. It's easy to give God praise when we hear great music. But the greater question comes, Are we able to give God praise in the messy, messy, exhausting, shallow, yea, though he slay me places? I was inspired by Linda's story at Free for All about this woman a friend of hers who has stage 4 lung cancer and Linda said she's most likely will die and, and yet she 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 has a spirit of worship and Linda said and raised this question how can we move through our world in such a way that like this woman we can have that sort of relationship with God that everything can be okay. I remember when Kara Jackson was on her way to see her sister, who'd been diagnosed recently with Mom Hodgkin's lymphoma, and she said, Julie, the only thing that got me through is on the way down, to, we put on the radio, or the CD, I guess it was, and played praise songs. And I'm like, really? I mean, I shouldn't be so shocked, but like, You were playing praise songs? And this moment of great woundedness, heartbroken, this psalmist saying, man, I was brokenhearted and wounded and exiled and outcast, and you gathered me in. And that was her experience of singing praise. Providence, the goal of our church And the fullness of that word is to create a sacred space that we can recognize God's presence and worship that God. That's why we exist. That's why I do what I do. That we can continually live in the deep end of life. And that we can usher others into a space of worship. This is why it's one of our values. Because otherwise, we're just doing child's play. Dress up. But as Kathleen said, it's in the vulnerability of sharing life together that creates those spaces where we can worship and witness. Because the last thing is this psalmist in the conclusion of these five psalms was not just, good feeling of praise but it was a testimony it was a call of praise actually, these five songs were a call of praise ushering a call in response to say let's go out and testify (laughs) to the good that God is the Genesis one word that God is good let's give testimony a call to praise to others. And so I invite us as church to continually do that, that that is why we are here. And I see it in all of you, knit together in this congregation. Let us continually make space. To find, to be attentive to God's presence, just as the psalmist was. And like young ravens, let us cry out to the God who's creator and savior. And lest this sermon about worship not usher us into worship, Mm -hmm. I want us to spend the next three speaking loud and clear. May this time of reflect and respond be